0: Again, Father, we uh, thank you for being able to come and sit at your feet. Uh, We want to thank you, Lord God, for walking us uh, down this path of forgiveness. Uh, So we march ahead today. Uh, Just do your work in our life. And for all of us, all of those who have not yet gotten it yet, uh, we pray that they would get it today. May your hand be upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, chapter 17, verse 9. He says this, and this is the message translation. The heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. Who of us in here has not gone out to shop for a car or for services for yourself or for your home that have not haggled with the salesperson? You know how it is, you, you get there and you want a lower price, uh, so we tell them just right off the bat, uh, your price is too high. This is uh, uh, less common in the United States in some of the stores, but in other places in the world. Uh, This is a very common practice. Regardless of what price that you see, you always automatically negotiate a lower price. So we uh, tell them that their prices are too high and we demand that they lower the cost. Uh, Because we know at the end of the day in the innermost recesses of our hearts, we really just want to pay as little as possible. Why? Because we know that our budgets are limited. They, in our minds, they are unfair uh, because they have some type of economic advantage. Uh, We know that they've already increased the price to uh, to a place that we may not even know to begin with. So we are fighting really, really hard for a good price. And then when we get that good price, we're happy because we think we're the stuff now. But after we have gotten this good deal, we tell everybody how we waded in the waters in the game of sales. Uh, just like it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 14. It's the Holman version. It says, it's worthless. It's worthless. I believe in the ESV it says, bad, bad, right? It's worthless. It's worthless. The buyer says, but after he or she is on his way he gloats. in other words when you finally got your price uh, then you tell everybody oh yeah this isn't the price I get kinda of reminds me when we bought our last car uh, that uh, went into the salesperson you know how they do they they do all that stuff uh, telling you about you know how this is your only opportunity to buy this car at this price and the Lord, know I walked up out of there with no shame to my game, and, uh, and a couple of days later, after doing just tons of research, I realized, man, that was the best price. You know, so I called them up, and, uh, and they said, come on in. So we went on in, and then they asked me the one question they should not have asked me. You know what that question was? Uh, the question that they asked me that they should not have asked me was, how much did we tell you the car cost? But honestly, I didn't, I didn't remember. So I'm like, I know what I wanted it to be, so I just quoted that twice. Right? Because that's the price I wanted it to be. I couldn't remember because they, they're all over the place. And they just said, okay. But man, I thought I had a great deal. But you know, uh, we know <clears throat> at the end of the day that they still have the upper hand. Don't you know that? Uh, Regardless of how you go about, you know, manipulating or trying to uh, control the situation, at the end of the day, they still end out on top. Our hearts play these oscillating games as well. Depending on the situation, our hearts blow in this direction, or our heart may blow in that direction. Uh, This is what Jeremiah the prophet can say, he says, that it is a a puzzle that no one can really figure out. Our hearts can be much like a coin being tossed in the air. It has two sides, with a 50 50 chance uh, that it will be one thing or another as it lands. And this is exactly where we are with forgiveness. One day we are strong and we are ready to forgive. And the next day, we hold back because we're really not sure if that person is worthy of our forgiveness. Oh, yeah, we want to be forgiven. Yeah, you want to be forgiven. But at times, we hesitate or just flat out refuse to forgive. So let us come to the presence of Jesus Christ again and learn about forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Matthew chapter 18 verse 21. Here Jesus tells us, don't keep count of the times you've forgiven." He says, "Do not have a pad, an iPad or i, whatever, an Android or whatever you have to take notes of on. Jesus says, do not keep account of how many times that you have forgiven. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, him as Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. As people, we always seem to look out for ourselves. After Peter listened to Jesus' message on forgiveness uh, there, uh, beginning in Matthew 18, verse 15 through 21, uh, concerning uh, church discipline as well, Uh, That Peter says, okay, well, if I'm going to go to my brother and, 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 and forgive him, how many times should I do it? It's almost like Peter is asking the question, how many times do I allow myself to get hurt? I know we feel that way too sometimes. We don't want to be some type of verbal or emotional punching bag for someone else. That we want to stand up for ourselves. Uh, We don't want to have to forgive because we don't want to put ourselves in that place to begin with. But what's interesting is that Peter, uh, he never mentions or he fails to mention the fact that he could have hurt someone else. See, we always talk about, you know, my brother who has offended us. But what about the potential or even our proclivity of hurting someone else. Peter emphasizes the offense and not forgiveness. Yes, I know forgiveness is mentioned more, uh, but, uh, but Peter had it in his mind, you know, how many times do I need to forgive? In other words, how many times does someone need to offend me and I forgive them? Seven times? In the back of my mind, I believe that Peter thought that that was a big number. Peter said seven times, and the way that uh, generally that is phrased, that he was expecting a negative answer and also for Jesus to lower the number. So he was expecting Jesus to say, oh, no, 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 you don't have to forgive nobody seven times. Uh, Maybe once, maybe twice, and then you're out of there. Jesus says no. And then looking in this passage, says how many times must I forgive him? In other words, how many times does someone hurt me and then I just let it go? How many times must I let this go? To forgive means to let an offense go, to release it and not tightly hold on to it like you would a $100 bill or your, your smartphone. And this is one question many of us Uh, that lurks in the back of our minds. How many times must someone hurt us and I just let it go? We have already decided that we have a limited amount of times in which we're going to just let it go. You know, some of us, we have that saying in the back of our mind, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Uh, Fool me twice, uh, shame on me. Right? So after two times, that's it. If it goes beyond two times, then I'm a bigger fool than I thought I was to begin with. But I know, uh, even as Jesus brings this idea up here into this picture, that sometimes we think about, okay, if I let it go and I ask forgiveness again, and I let it go and I ask forgiveness again, I'm not really sure how I'm going to react. In other words, uh, if it keeps on happening, I'm just thinking I just might go off. Uh, You know, because that go-off, that's my button by default. And for some of us, uh, for for some of you, your default button of going off is only one time. I'm just telling the truth, uh, that all you need is one time before you go off. As a matter of fact, you live this life uh, seeking to go off. It kind of reminds me, uh, again, uh, once being in the martial arts, that, that one of the things that Uh, became a mentality of you as you studied the martial arts that you were always ready. That you walking down the street, regardless of whether you're in a good neighborhood or a bad neighborhood, you're looking around corners here with this eye and this other eye is down the street. You're walking down the street and you can tell how many paces somebody is walking behind you. You walk down the street and you look on the ground when the sun is shining to see if there's another shadow walking behind you and it ain't God. So some of us, we live in this life uh, kind of expecting ready to go off. That going off is our martial arts style. Uh, yet you are not going to uh, have an opportunity to sink your claws into me because once I see you leap towards me, then I'm ready. I'm gonna stop you there will be no reason for me to forgive you because I'm gonna stop it dead in its tracks but Jesus is saying this is no way for a disciple of Christ to live he is saying that that should not be your default. our idea of forgiveness and God's idea of forgiveness are different so Jesus responds to Peter uh, that his forgiveness should be unlimited now uh, looking in the text, many of you ha- are, are familiar with King James Version or some other version as well, and it says, uh, it says uh, 7 times 70, right? And then you look at this text here, and it says 77 times. So is it 7 times 70, or is it 77 times, which is 490 times? Well, first, I, I just want to start off by asking this question. Uh, which one are you more willing to... Uh, how many are you, uh, times are you more willing to forgive? 77 times or 490? You see, either way it goes, is very difficult. But I just want to point you to a quick text. Genesis chapter 4, verse 24. It's very quick. And this is a case where Lamech... Uh, uh, that he says his revenge will occur 77 times. This is as a sidebar for you if you're wondering how to solve this issue in the text. In the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint, that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 24, it translates in Greek the 77 times as what uh, we, the same thing that we see here in uh, 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 Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, exactly the same way. Uh, so uh, the writers have said, well, the way that you translate it is probably closest to how the Greek translators of the Septuagint translated back uh, Genesis 4:24." So he says 77 times. But at the end of the day, uh, whether you translate it 77 or 490 times, it doesn't make a difference, right? What makes a difference? I think the point that Jesus was trying to make using hyperbole, uh, exaggerated use of the language in order to emphasize a point, is that you and me, we are to forgive in a limited amount of times. Boy, it seems difficult. That's hard. Come on. We really want to say in the back of our minds that, yeah, I know this is Jesus talking this, about this, but, you know, is this really realistic? But see, we have to accept God's word for what it is, and if Jesus tells us this is what we must do, then guess what? We must forgive. You know, it is, uh, forgiveness is just one of those areas in our life that seems to grab hold and hold on year after year after year. You know it, I, I, I've mentioned this before, that some things that you thought that you had uh, simply forgotten about, all you really did was suppress it. All you did was really push it down. You've never really forgiven. Who is it in your life you've never really forgiven? Right? Uh, This whole series on forgiveness is coming at us because Jesus is trying to dig out and root out all this unforgiveness in our life. So I'm just going to ask you. Think. Who is it in your life that you really have not forgiven? Jesus is calling you to forgive, If you haven't gotten it after the first message, then God bless you. After the second message, then God bless you. After the third message, God bless you. But here we are on message number four on forgiveness. God is saying that we need to forgive. If we are to forgive, if we're going to take this step forward, it requires courage. It requires complete trust in the Lord. Because this is the place that he wants us to be. But also I want you to remember this, that even though God, he tells us to forgive, I also want you to know that Jesus, he never says that I want you to place yourself in harm's way. You hear what I'm saying? He says we are to forgive, but he's not saying don't be foolish, don't be foolish and put, to be foolish and to put yourself in that same position again. Right? And I think that's the place that sometimes we get mixed up. No, he's not saying that. He's saying that if you ever find yourself in a place that you need to forgive someone, he says, forgive them. But we are to be wise. So now Jesus, he goes on to vividly illustrate his point with this parable. And this is the point I want you to come out of this with. Having mercy on another it surrenders your right to get even. When you have mercy on someone else, you surrender your right to get even. I'll say that one more time. When you show mercy on a man or a woman or a child, whoever you need to show mercy on, and you uh, remember what mercy is, right? Not giving a person what they really deserve. Right? So when you have mercy upon someone, you surrender your right not to be, uh, you can't be vengeful. Matthew 18, verse 23. Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him. I have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debts. Imagine that. You owe someone money. Not only are they going to take all your stuff, but they're going to take you and your boo. And all baby kids with you. Everybody gets to go. Can you imagine being in that much debt? You know, those who are in authority concerning these type of matters, that sometimes they do exercise this type of power to get from you what they want. I'd like to see many of you try to shortchange the IRS and not give them what they want. Some of you, you you may own your own home or your own vehicle. And you know what I mean in this situation because you know once you are 75% paid down, you know that you are almost there. Amen? You know that you can see the light at the end of the proverbial tunnel. You know that soon and very soon uh, that you're going to have a hallelujah party because you are completely paid off. But if you reach that 75% and say, you know what, I ain't paying another dime. I know I've been paying on this hoopty of a car mine uh, you know, since 1970. It's now 2014, and I'm finally 75% paid off. I'm not paying them another dime. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Repo man is coming to get that hoopty. He don't care how junky it is. He's going to come and get his car. This is the place where Jesus begins to illustrate the need to forgive, especially if we think that 77 is too large of a number. So Jesus now speaks a parable to further clarify his point on forgiveness in the life of a disciple. Verse 23 goes on to say, therefore, right? Another way to help us clearly understand this is to use the phrase, on account of this. On account of this, when we look at verse 23, it can say, on account of the kingdom. But here's a translation, I I translated this for you, listen to this. It's as if Jesus was saying this, on account of our inability to fully comprehend the spirit of forgiveness, I will further illustrate it by telling you about what the kingdom of heaven is like. On account of our inability to fully comprehend the spirit of forgiveness, I will further illustrate it by telling you about what the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. In this case, we not only connect therefore with the previous section, we also deepen our understanding and desire to learn about God's kingdom. So Jesus, in essence, was saying that uh, when you live and you walk in this arena of forgiveness, that you live and you walk in the arena as one who is a member of the kingdom of heaven, that you understand the depth necessary in our hearts to say that I am a kingdom child. Are you a kingdom child? Jesus seems to demand a hard thing from his disciples, especially as we uh, view forgiveness as this idea. It goes on and on and on and on. Verse 24. Look at this. The servant did not come freely to the king. Did you see that? Read verse 24 there. It says, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. So this servant did not come up to the king and say, hey, Mr. King, I owe you 10,000 talents. You know how it is. Some folks, when they owe other folks money, uh, sometimes they show up MIA. You can't find them anywhere. They are missing in action. And I believe that this servant was the same way. Why? Uh, Number one, do do you know how much 10,000 talents was? Have any idea? In today's uh, conversion of this, 10,000 talents would be close to about a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Now, I want you to put yourself in the servant's shoes. What would you do if you owed someone one billion dollars and you didn't have not a penny in the bank? Well, I know some of you saying, well, I ain't even have to worry about that because, number one, ain't nobody going to loan me $1 billion. And then you say, if they, and if someone would uh, loan you $1 billion, you're going to build you a spaceship and go up and, find, and build you a place up on the moon somewhere, right? So he owed uh, in excess of one, some people say even more, in excess of $1 billion, we i have a chance, an opportunity to break all that down further to, to see what all that really means. But $1 billion. So he has this guy brought to him and says, Give me my money, man. It was very interesting, this idea of, of, of 10,000, though. I wanted to stress this it uses the word mirion or myrias. And this is where we get our word "myriad" from. And you know, oftentimes when we use the word "myriad," we often think of something that is unlimited. So the idea is that what he owed was—it was just an unlimited amount, and he could not pay it. The servant, man, he was struggling to even find ten dollars. He went to all his homies all over the place. Man, can you loan me a dollar? Uh, They said, well, how much money do you really need? He says, all I need is 999,999,999 more dollars, and you're going to invest in this project that I have before me. So he says, in other words, he didn't have anything to offer the king. So the king says, everybody then belongs to me. It was interesting, uh, according to this ancient uh, calculating of costs, uh, believe it or not, even after uh, putting this man into servitude, uh, into slavery, even after putting his wife, even after putting his child or his children there and selling everything that he owned, he still didn't even have enough money to come close to paying this guy off. But he begs for mercy, says, have patience, I will pay you back. In other words, that was that was so much money. How was he going to pay him back? How can someone who was already a servant of someone else pay back uh, the king uh, one billion dollars? Again, this is a parable. So the idea is that there would be no way in his lifetime that he was able to make that possible. The calculations say the only way it would be possible if he uh, could possibly live for about 180 generations. Then he would be able to pay him back. And you know the king wasn't trying to hear that. So the king, he has mercy on him, and he forgives him his debt. Did he have to? No, he did not have to do that. But the king forgives him his debt. So what Jesus is trying to tell us that, that if you have been forgiven, that then you, that, that me, we need to learn to Forgive. We need to learn to forgive. And this is the point I continue to stress to you. Who are those who have offended you in your life? Will you forgive? Jesus said, if you haven't gotten it yet, check this out. Verse 28 there in Matthew 18. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii. Uh, let's say it was about uh, anywhere between ten to uh, $12,000. So what does he do? He, he seized him. And look at this. He began to choke the brother. He's like, man, you're going to give me my 50 cent. Even if I have to kill you right now, you are going to give me my money right now. Look at that. Instantly. And he tells him to pay what you owe. Verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Oh, have patience with me and I will pay you or like I will pay you back. In other words, almost the same language. Isn't that something? He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Isn't that something? Isn't isn't that something how, how sometimes people can treat us nicely? And then when it's time for us to pay that back, somehow we get a tin ear that we ain't even trying to hear that. But somehow in our makeup, we've forgotten all about uh, the grace and the mercy that someone else has extended to us. The servant treats him violently for a lesser offense. Offense. You have to give an account for the unforgiveness in your heart. I remember um, my brother Julius, who passed away years ago. I remember that he passed away, but I also remember that he owed me money. I'm just being honest with you. He owed me money and I didn't like it. You know, I was, I was heartbroken, of course, with the whole thing, but you know, it, it, it is something in there. And actually, you know, the conversation had continued like for years, you know, before he had passed away. I'm like, man, when are you give me my money? So on and so forth, and, uh, and, and that was like in the back of my mind. But it took me a while to get over that. You know, isn't that something? That sometimes the things that we value most is not really valuable when we look at the life of another person. I tell you that story. No, not, I don't want you to, you know, get all whatever. No, I, I, I tell you that story because I don't want you to be in the same place. I don't want you to live with unforgiveness, holding on to a grudge because of something at the end of the day is really stupid. And the more that you're able to let go and put in the hands of God, the freer you will be able to live. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summons him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you, uh, should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? In other words, I showed you mercy. Why didn't you show mercy? As I had mercy on you. 34. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers. Until he should pay all his debt. Now remember, now he owed in excess of a billion dollars. How in the world are you going to uh, stay in jail and pay back a billion dollars until you finally free? If it takes uh, about 180 generations, 180 years, whatever it is, in order to pay it back. In other words, he was going to end up rotting in jail. He would not make it out of jail. 35 so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart let's read this verse together please verse 35 here we go so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart You see what he's saying now he's not talking about all this phony baloney stuff he's not talking about phony baloney he says your heart but I know you you're asking me you know uh, this one thing whatever whatever it is in the back of your mind that you're having trouble to forgive uh, I know you're saying but I'm having such a hard time but one of the ways to help us work out that process is to pray for that person. Pray for that person and bless them in the name of Jesus. And you pray for God's best on their life. And I believe that as you enter into this whole whole area of mercy and forgiveness and grace, that God will allow you to forgive from your heart and you ask God to help you every single day. But at the end of the day, Jesus says, you must forgive. What uh, Jesus has in mind is this whole idea of this uh, eschatological, uh, this whole uh, idea of end times, what's gonna happen in the end. So in other words, what he was saying, that if you do not forgive, yes, right? Oh, I know I'm going to heaven But at the same time, Jesus says that you're going to be in trouble if you don't forgive. Oh yeah, I'm going to heaven I ain't forgiving nobody. You see, part of the problem is that uh, some of us, we don't understand the impact of God's kingdom. Right? Uh, If you go overseas, you know that uh, you have to prove uh, which country that you belong to. And one of the ways that we prove which country we belong to is our passport, right? Our passport has all of our information. Well, if you are a part of the kingdom of heaven, one of the ways that we demonstrate that is through his spirit. But one of the things that people from overseas understand as well, uh, they know that you are not from them by the way that you talk. Right. Even if you speak their language, sometimes even your accent is all wrong, and they know you are not from us. So what Jesus was saying, one way to help folks uh, to identify that you are not of the world, that you are part of his kingdom, is by the way that you forgive. That we forgive in a way that's unlike everyone else. And people will look at you. And they will wonder and be uh, in awe of the fact that how were you able to forgive? I remember as a child, uh, we had neighbors. They were called the Mots. Uh, it just so happened that the father of the household, he was a preacher. And, uh, and, and, one, and they had 18 kids. And one of these days, uh, everybody was gone from their house. Everybody was gone. Everybody. 18 folks and everybody gone, right? 1890 with the mom and dad is 20 folks. Um, but when they came back, they had they had discovered that someone had broken into their house. The preacher's house. The preacher, somebody broke into the preacher's house probably while he was at church. And what happened was it, it took about a week or uh, later whatever it was, they found the person who broken to their house and this person was sitting in jail so they asked the motts to come and sign a statement I, re- I know who this young man is even right now he's still around uh, but uh, and they refused to sign the statement because they said uh, they wanted to talk to him and they wanted to forgive him for ransacking their home and stealing their stuff and just destroying things up in their house You know, I wonder, you know, again, I'm telling you about me. I don't know about you, right? I wonder if I would be able to do that. I'm just being honest. I wonder if I'm able to do that. But one thing I know is that if we live according to the principles of God, that somehow, in some way, that God is going to cause this thing to work out for our good and probably the good of everybody else. And I know uh, a situation like that, it is very difficult to even imagine in our minds. But this is why Jesus tells the parable. He tells us this parable because he knows we struggle with it. He knows, he understands that this is one thing in your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ that you're going to come across that it's going to be hard for you to do. But I also want you to know that all things are possible if and only if we submit ourselves to the will of God. Jesus says that if you do not submit yourself to his will, that the at the end of times that he will hold you into account for your attitude, what will you do? Well, because of your faithfulness, one thing we understand your lives are going to be changed. You're going to be able to minister into ways and uh, in ways that other people will envy. And then maybe one day some preacher will get up here and tell a story about you. Not because that's our motive, but because this is the way that you lived your life. Would you bow your heads with me, please?